shed on the cross. God, we thank you so much that Jesus willingly went to the cross to shed his blood that we might be atoned, that we might be cleansed and forgiven for our sins. It's in the power of the blood of Jesus that we have confidence and assurance to come before your throne in prayer this morning. May you be honored, may you be glorified in all that we do this morning as one local body of Christ, celebrating and worshiping together with brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I encourage you to greet those around you before you have a seat this morning. so good to be together again. Um, I am Pastor Tony, pastor for youth and families here at Maranatha, and uh, I've been back for a few Sundays now. Uh, some of you haven't uh, seen till today, so it's great to, great to be with you. A few announcements this morning that we want to highlight. The women's ministry is gathering today at 3.30 p.m. here at the church uh, in the fellowship hall, I believe, to have a time of, of fellowship and just gathering together as women. They're going to be talking about ideas for the year. Um, again, the, the emphasis isn't, they're, they're doing some planning, but if you don't feel like you're much of a planner, please still come. They want everyone to, if you don't feel like you ha have to be this great planner, but if you have any ideas or thoughts or you just want to fellowship with other ladies, you are invited, strongly encouraged to come. They do have a sign-up still on the welcome desk, um, but even if you haven't signed up previously, you'd love, they'd love to have you join at 3.30 today. Uh, Saturday, this coming Saturday, the 21st, the men are doing their monthly men's breakfast at 7 a.m., so men invite you to join for that. And then we want to uh, make you aware as well that on September 12th, we have our annual baptism service. This is going to be out at Arrowhead Bible Camp again, like we did last summer. Lunch is at 12.30. The baptism is scheduled for about 1.30, um, and uh, you're invited to come out. They're providing lunch at the camp, so you don't need to plan to, to bring anything other than your family. And uh, if, if you, But if you have not been baptized, if you are a follower of Christ and yet you have not been obedient in, in baptism, we'd encourage you to talk to a pastor. We'd love to have a conversation with you about, about getting baptized. Um, and so that's uh, on September 12th. There's going to, the lake's going to be available. If you want to bring your boat, you can do that. And, and after the baptism service, just hang out until 5 p.m. Canoeing, kayaking, swimming, all of those will be available um, there at, at the camp. Uh, the deadline, though, for signing up is the 29th. So we do need people to sign up. Um, just let us know how many people in your family, adults and children, so we can give Arrowhead our numbers for food so they can plan. So... August 29th is the deadline to sign up. There is a sign-up sheet for that on the welcome desk, or you can just jump online to the, the Maranatha website, maranathafree.com, and the banner on the top, I think it's currently the second banner that will slide through. You can just click on that. It will pop up a form, and you can quickly, within just a couple minutes, fill that out and let us know if you're coming and, and how many. So with that, I'm going to invite uh, Pastor Cody to come on up. All right. Good morning, everyone. Had to make sure I was plugged in there for a moment, turned on. 
Well, again, every Sunday we take time and celebrate what the Lord is doing and what is happening through Maranatha. And uh, just we've had a privilege of seeing unique ways that we have been doing outreach through our church even within the last month, month and a half. And I've been excited to be seeing that, be a part of that, seeing what the Lord is doing. And as we found out last week, kind of short notice that, hey, the well ministry that we have in Barron County that reaches out to the Somali population, they every year do a soccer tournament where they have, they invite different cities and different groups to come in, and they wanted some food. So we were able to get some food for them. And I think, can you show the one picture of the cookies? I remember this, uh, this week, I, I was on vacation for part of the week, and I came in, and in the kitchen, the whole table was just filled with cookies. And there were just piles of cookies. I'm like, I'm, I'm just going to sit here and eat for a while. I didn't. But I, we said, hey, could you make some cookies? We made dozens and dozens and dozens of cookies. And uh, when we were serving the food, they got their chicken patty. They got stuff. And when they got to the cookies, they were like, oh, cookies. So thank you, families. Thank you, men. Thank you, ladies who made those cookies. Whoever made the ones that were kind of bunched up with oatmeal and butterscotch those were amazing you didn't put your name on they're probably good because i come and visit you often but through this again we want to ultimately the ultimate goal is that people would see jesus christ know of his grace and mercy which is so needed in the muslim population they need to see grace and mercy and this is a part of the well ministry where we're able to serve them and care for them. They had a team from Barron, they had a team of Somali population from Green Bay, and then they also had a team that came from the Hayward area. So it was great to have that. So thank you for all that you have done, just making cookies, right? Oh, Tim, it was wonderful just to serve them and care for them. And if, if you want to know more about that ministry, talk to Otieno. There's so many different aspects that we have in our church. Some of you are part of teaching English as a second language and just connecting with them. And our prayer is that in a year, there would be within Barron, the city of Barron, a Somali church, people gathering and worshiping Jesus. And we're excited about that. So before we begin our service, kids, if you did not get one of these, put your hands up. We want to make sure that all the kids got one of these. So kids, if you don't have one of these, put your hand up. And if your hand's too small, parent, put your hand up so we can see that hand. All right, some of the hands probably go this high. So we want to make sure that as we go through today, we're going through Missions Month here, and this is our bulletin for the kids so they can kind of think of what the, the missionary is sharing and talking about. And today is a very, every Sunday's dear to me. And I was thinking of it last week as we had Parker coming here, and he shared what, what the free church is doing in, in missions and just just the connection I have with each missionary and this today is special. Today we're going to be talking about the persecuted church. One of my wife's and I favorite books by Richard Rummer. Anybody heard of Voice of the Martyrs? Or have this book? Get this book. And we are going to have, Brother Dave, would you come up? I want to pray for you before you share from the Word. And then again, at the end, what we're going to do is as a church, we corporately are going to be praying for different aspects. Even right now, currently, in what's happening in this world right now, if you know overseas in the Middle East and Afghanistan, and just some of the horrible things that are happening, God hears our prayers. And it's not by chance or coincidence that, coincidence that we're talking about the persecuted church right now as what's happening this weekend overseas. So 
I'm excited that we get to hear from Brother Dave here what's going on with this ministry, Dr. Pat and all that's going on, and then we as a church will pray. Amen? So my prayer this week is that you be inspired. Inspired that your knees wear out. Why? Because we fight like this, right? So I pray that my knees get wore out and get inspired to be praying because not all of us are going to be called to go overseas to the persecuted church and help, but we can actively engage in that area. So I'm excited. Let's pray. Father God, I just ask right now that you move in our hearts. Lord, we have brothers and sisters in Christ being killed. Give them faith, give them endurance. Set their gaze on you, Jesus, the author and finisher of their faith. And I pray that today we would be inspired by your Spirit to pray, pray, and pray some more for our missionaries, for what you're doing in this world for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pray for Brother Dave that you just fill him with your words. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. It's a blessing to be here. It's been a while since I was actually in your church, but I love coming down here. I know Dr. Pat has been here in the past, and I have come one other time. And then... COVID hit, and everything kind of got canceled for a year and a half. Um, so we're getting back into the churches and speaking again about the persecuted. And I just, I'm just thrilled to be here again this morning. Um, this, the ministry that I'm a part of is called New Service 2000. We work with the persecuted, primarily in the Middle East and North Africa. And because of situation around the world for the past year, we were not able to travel for about a year and a half. However, in April, I was able to go back to Egypt, and I spent about three weeks over there. Um, COVID was still running rampant through that country. Uh, Many of the church leadership have died because of COVID. They were ministering to their people, and Egypt is a largely uneducated country, and many of the people just thought they were sick. They didn't understand the severity of the pandemic that was going on around them. And I want to share with you some of the stories of some of the people that I have met and that I have ministered with and to. Um, and we'll get to that at the end, but first, something that God has been laying on my heart. Whenever I put together a sermon, I, I try to think, what has God taught me recently? Where has God been working in my life recently? And the same is true today. And I want to tell you, if it convicts you, that's a good thing. It convicted me tremendously when I read through this passage and I started putting together this sermon. But my purpose is always to encourage, to share with you about how you can be the body of Christ. And so I hope and pray that this morning you get that from what I say. Hebrews 
says, Remember those who are in prison, as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. This morning I want to talk a little bit about Hebrews, but not that verse in particular. That's our core verse for New Service 2000. We want people to be remembering the persecuted, encouraging the persecuted, and praying for, most importantly, praying for the persecuted. But in Hebrews 11, and if you want to open up your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Hebrews 11, starting at verse 35. But before I read that, there's a quote that I took from a sermon that John Piper did on Hebrews. The book of Hebrews was written to a church that was getting old and was settling into the world and losing its wartime mentality and starting to drift through life without focus, without vigilance, and without energy. Their hands were growing weak. Their knees were feeble. It was just easier to meander in the crowd of life than to run the marathon. When I first read that introduction, I couldn't help but think it sounded a lot like the church here in America. In many ways, we have lost our focus, our vigilance, our passion for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have given up on running the race and found it much easier to settle in for the long haul alongside everyone else. This morning, I want to focus on a portion of the book of Hebrews that talks about persecution. I would also like to use this morning to encourage you to press on, to persevere in trying times, and to not allow life's obstacles to keep you from the joyously full life that God Hebrews 11 is often called the heroes of the faith chapter. The writer names many of the people of the Old Testament that overcame obstacles because of their faith. But then he goes on to talk about the horrible, horrible circumstances that many of these people found themselves in. And yet, they persevered. Starting with verse 35, the second half. Thank you. Starting with verse 35, part B. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release, so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and floggings, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, 
Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so tightly, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, when the author of Hebrews talks about a great cloud of witnesses, when I first read that, I thought, wow, all of these heroes of the faith are, are watching us and caring over us and praying over us. And, but the reality is, I think the author was talking about, you have all these testimonies of people who have lived through persecution, who have lived through suffering, who have persevered in their walk, because of their faith in who God was and who they were to God. It's not talking about witness a great cloud of witnesses as if they're standing there cheering us on as we run the race of life. I think it's saying you've got this great history of faithful people who have lived out their lives faithfully in service to God no matter what came their way, And because you know that they persevered, you also can persevere. The things these people endured when I read it sounds remarkably familiar to me. Let me read those first verses one more time. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. You see, around the world, Christians are still facing these things, all of them. As horrendous as some of those descriptions are, they still take place. We can see a very tangible image of what it means to be persecuted for Christ. The great cloud of witnesses continues to grow. But are we paying attention? Do we notice when parts of the body of Christ are tortured, executed, imprisoned? These are our brothers and sisters in Christ, as close as you, as close to you as the person sitting next to you in the pew. They're family. They're our family. Do we suffer when they suffered? Do we pray for the saints who are joining the great cloud of witnesses? Do we prepare ourselves and our families to possibly face the same so that we can complete the race that God has put before us? I recently came across a letter written by Corey Ten Boom. She was a survivor of the Holocaust concentration camp, and while in the camp, she watched her sister Betsy die. She wrote this letter back in 1974 
So it's quite a while ago now. This is what she wrote. There are some among us teaching that there will be no tribulation, that the Christians will be able to escape all this. These are false teachers that Jesus was warning us to expect in the later days. Most of them have little knowledge of what is already going on around the world. I have been in countries where the saints are already suffering terrible persecution. In China, the Christians were told, don't worry, before the tribulation comes, you will be raptured. Then came a terrible persecution. Millions of Christians were tortured to death. Later, a bishop from China told me, we have failed. We should have made the people strong for persecution rather than telling them that Jesus would come first. Tell the people how to be strong in times of persecution, how to stand when the tribulation comes, to stand and not faint. A little further in her letter, she goes on to say, in America, the church is saying, let the congregation escape tribulation. But in China and Africa, the tribulation has already arrived. This last year alone, more than 200,000 Christians were martyred in Africa. Now, things like that never get into the newspapers because they cause bad political relations. But I know I have been there. We need to think about that when we sit down in our nice houses with our nice clothes to our steak dinners. Many, many members of the body of Christ are being tortured to death at this very moment. Yet we continue right on as though we are all going to escape the tribulation. That letter that she wrote really moved me. It made me think. That was 1974. Many, many, many Christians have given their lives since then. And the persecution continues to grow. We continue to see other countries that are, are getting worse and worse for the body of Christ. And yet they stand strong in their faith. For many within the church, there is a belief that Christ will gather his church in the rapture before we face anything remotely like what is talked about in Hebrews 11. In fact, whenever things get just a little bit difficult here in America, we begin thinking that the end is near. This past year and a half through the pandemic, the riots, the election, I have seen more posts on Facebook about the end times coming quickly than I have ever seen before. Yet Jesus told us how to live through times that will come times of persecution and tribulation. In Luke 21, verses 10 through 13, it says, Then he said to them, speaking about Jesus, Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, and in various places famines and pestilence. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all of this, 
they will lay their hands upon you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and the prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. This will be your opportunity to bear witness of who Jesus is, of who God is, of who you are to God. These trials are not something to dread, not something to cause us to panic. They're our opportunity to show the world who Jesus Christ is to us. In March, I was finally able to return overseas. Like I said, I spent two and a half weeks in Egypt. The first nine days were in Upper Egypt, which is actually Southern Egypt, um, but that's the way that the Nile flows, so it's called Upper Egypt. And in Upper Egypt, there, is, uh, there are more Christians. While Egypt as a whole has about 10% Christians, Upper Egypt has about 20 to 30% are Christian. However, it also has many more fundamental Muslims, and persecution there is great. While I was there, I got to visit a church that was built by the government of Egypt in honor of the 21 Egyptian, or 21 men, who were beheaded on the beach in Libya. Twenty of them came from this small village that I was visiting, and one came from Central Africa. What a testimony of their faith. Before they were executed, each man was given the chance to deny Christ. And as it went one after the other after the other, all 20 of them stood firm in their conviction, firm in their faith, and were beheaded. The last one was a gentleman who had come from Central Africa. And the story is that he had just recently converted to Christianity. And when they asked him if he wanted to deny Christ, if he wanted to become Muslim and be spared, his response was, their God is my God. They were prepared for what was coming. They knew in their heart who their faith, who their hope, who their sacrifice was a gift to. So what do we do with this? How do we respond? We prepare our hearts and our minds, reading scripture, memorizing scripture, developing our prayer life and developing our understanding of who the great God of the universe is and also who we are to him. That's something I don't think a lot of Christians understand. They understand God is the creator and he's omnipotent and omnipresent and all-powerful 
But do you understand that the creator of the universe loves you with an infinite passion, an infinite love? That nothing you can do other than reject Jesus Christ, his son, nothing you can do will separate you from that love. No sin in your past, no sin in your present, no sin in your future will divide you away from the love that God has for you. But you need to receive Jesus Christ. You need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I have met believers who will tell you when persecution comes, God will give you what you need. God will supply the words to say, the heart of faith. He will give you what you need to get through the persecution. But trusting for that grace is something each one of us needs to develop. I want to share with you a few stories of people that are living out their faith in other countries. First one is Marty. I'll call him Marty. He lives in Mauritania. Mauritania is a country that has in its laws, if you convert from Islam, you will be executed. They believe that 100% of their population is Muslim, and therefore, if you are a Christian, you converted from Islam. And yet, Marty is a believer. And Marty is a believer who wants to share his faith with others. My good friend, Brother S, who lives in Morocco, was mentoring Marty after he became a believer. He was sharing with him, you know, teachings from the Bible. He was encouraging him in his walk of faith. And along with that, he was encouraging Marty to share his faith with others, which is very dangerous in this country. Marty wanted to share his faith, but he was a little fearful of sharing his faith within his country. And so he thought of a childhood friend who had left and moved to France. And he thought, I can share my faith with, with him. So he called him up on the phone, and they started talking, and he shared what Christ had done in his life. And he shared from the Bible with this friend, and this friend grew angrier and angrier. And he said to Marty, I live in France. You live in a Muslim country. Here in France, I am seeing people turn to Islam. And yet, in that country, you have become an infidel to our faith. And Marty continued to talk with him, and they agreed that they would talk again in about a week. But as soon as they hung up the phone, his friend in France started calling other people in Mauritania that they were both friends with. One day, Marty came home, and there were seven people outside of his home. Six of them were friends of his, and one was an imam from the local mosque. And these men started questioning Marty about what he had told his friend. They started grilling him, basically. And so Marty shared his testimony with them and told them what Christ had done in his life. He shared from the Bible verses that he felt were important for them to understand, having come from a Muslim background and sharing with them 
from the Word of God. And they decided that they would meet again in about a week. Marty was sure that they were going to set some kind of a trap, that they would record what he said and bring it to the government or something. But a week later, the seven men were there again, and they spent three to four hours discussing scripture. Marty has not been thrown in prison. He has not been beaten for his faith. He has shared his faith faithfully with these seven men who came to his home. One of the seven asked for the Bible, asked for a copy of the Bible, and continues to meet with Marty to learn about the Christian faith. Pray for Marty. Please pray for Marty. Adam, in Algeria, another very difficult country, um, wanted to do outreach in his country, and so News Service 2000 supplied him with some money so that he could buy food for the poor Christians. During the pandemic, Christians in most of these countries are, are at the bottom of the social ladder. They make their money selling things on the streets, and during the pandemic, that wasn't allowed. So many of them didn't have money for food, for rent, for anything. So we sent some money to Adam. And he began distributing food packages to Christians as well as to Muslims in his area. And he would tell them that this is a gift from the church. And he would share the gospel message with everyone that he could. And he passed out hundreds of food packages in his community, showing the light of Jesus Christ to those around him. Pray for Adam. Finally, I'm going to tell you about a church that I was able to go to in Egypt this past April. It was actually the first legitimately secret church that I had gone to. Um, I've been to a lot of churches that keep their singing down and are quiet and try to not cause a disturbance in their neighborhood, but this was actually a underground church in a village where just two weeks prior a Christian had been gunned down in the streets because he was a Christian by a policeman. And so this, in this village the Christians keep a low profile. And we pulled up in our car and the missionary that I was with, uh, an Egyptian, said, put on your sunglasses and go directly into that door. So I got out of the car, I went into the door, and as we, it was a, it was just a one room building that we were in. It wasn't real large. People began to gather in twos and threes, coming in through the door, until there were about 30 to 35 people there. And my friend who speaks Arabic, is Egyptian, began sharing the gospel with them and talking to them and preaching to them as a pastor would do. And we sang. And then we noticed a commotion by the door. And I guess the singing had alerted some of the people in the community. And the people who were running the secret church got worried 
and said, you need to leave now. So we packed up, went out the door, got in the car immediately, and drove away. While we were at this church, we also brought with us some medical supplies. We brought an oxygen concentrator. We brought a thermometer so they can read people's temperature without sticking something in their mouth from their forehead. Um, we brought the little thing that clips on your finger and tells you your oxygen levels and your, your blood pre- or uh, heartbeat. And the pastor of this small underground church went to a local Muslim businessman who had a building and also to an imam from this village and said, listen, I would like to set up a clinic where we can test people, where we can provide relief from COVID and what's going on here. And we have this, and we have this, and we have this, and we will get more if we can. And the business leader and the imam both told this pastor, yes, you can use this building. The pastor said, but we also want to pray to our God for each of the patients that we treat. And the imam and the business leader, the Muslim business leader said, yes, you can also pray for each of the patients that come into this building. And you can also use this building for a weekly worship service. Because this pastor was reaching out to his community and caring for them with the love of Jesus Christ, it opened the door for a church to be established in this village where they were living in fear. I want you to pray for this secret church as well. Pray that that God will protect them and that God will keep open the doors of this new church that was established. We put out a prayer letter. It's not a fundraising mechanism, although it does raise funds sometimes. It's of stories of believers, the great cloud of witnesses. It is stories of what they are going through currently and how you can pray for them. And if you're not getting our prayer letter, I would ask that you sign up for it. I have a stack of them outside, right outside the door on the table. You can pick one up. It has our, our website. It has our address. It has our phone number. And you can call and just say, I want to get your prayer letter. Or you can email us and say, I want to get your prayer letter. Or you can go to our website and sign up for the prayer letter there. I want to encourage you to do that because I want you to know what is happening to the body of Christ in the Middle East and North Africa. It has been an amazing journey for me so far. I've been working with Dr. Pat for five years so far. Prior to that, I had been to Canada. That was it. And now I've gone into some of the most desolate areas, some of the darkest areas for the Christian faith. And I have witnessed that great cloud of witnesses who are living out their faith in the most difficult times, in the most difficult ways, 
And I think, how can I relay that to the church of Jesus Christ here in America? How can I get the church to understand that persecution will come? It might not be the way we think of persecution in the Middle East or in India or in China. But scripture promises us that anyone who truly desires to follow Jesus Christ will be persecuted. Prepare yourselves. Prepare yourselves by praying for those who are currently being persecuted and seeing how they are living out their lives. Understanding how they are standing for Christ in the most difficult of times and learning from their example and their testimony. Prepare yourself by knowing the word of God and who you are to God. Prepare yourselves by helping one another here within your community of believers, by helping one another in the community around you, by helping one another in the world around us doing good as often as we can, especially for the body of Christ. Praying for them, encouraging them, remembering them. Thank you. Well, church, we need encouragement. We need sometimes motivation. I tell you what, I've been encouraged by the Lord. Amen. Let's conclude by finishing by going to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Again, this is our main verse we're looking at every Sunday here. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I want to conclude just by summarizing some things here for us and what we can do because most of you don't have a passport. Well, if you want to go fishing in Canada now, I guess you need one, so maybe you'll get one. But most of us aren't called to do that. So what can we do? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And again, it's going to be on the screen here. We've got this color-coded for us. If you've got our prayer calendar that we have every, every month, we have a prayer calendar that's color-coded based upon where Jesus strategically sends people out from local to regional to global. There it is, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. A few weeks ago we talked about our home field advantage, that we are called to be here and there's a reason God's placed us here in Barron County or this county but now if you take a look at this map again Jesus had this plan the strategic course of movement from relatively similar areas and then expanded in the book of Acts to other areas and others and that's how we pray for the different missionaries that we support based upon where they're at and we color-coded that <clears throat> The first strategic point of missions, home field advantage. Missions begins where you're at, your home, your own people. Same place, same culture. Very easy for us to do. We're going to skip the second one because that will be for next week. 
We're going to cover the third one. To the ends of the earth. The first century, for them, it was going out, reaching out beyond their borders. Going to Rome. Going to areas. See in the book of Acts where they reached out. Strategic point number three for missions. Missions brings the Gospel to the far lands in different cultures of this world. Different place, different culture. All people in all places. Let me just even bring a little clarification here. Because sometimes we get this terminology, we kind of throw it out like, oh, I'm a missionary. I remember when I was going through seminary, studying missions, studying evangelism, studying discipleship, you know, one of our professors who was a missionary in India really stressed this. He said there's a difference between witnesses and missionaries. So let me just kind of spell this out for you. Witnesses versus missionary. Witnesses, we're all called to be witnesses. Whether we're called to do it at home, to the Somali population, get a passport, do short-term missions, or full-time missionary, we're all called to be witnesses. We're all called to be witnesses of the saving work of Jesus as we proclaim the message of Jesus and call people to put their faith in Him. That's what we're called to do. Every week we live that sermon out. You and I, were called to be witnesses of the grace that has been given to us. Even though we have a mission, notice it says, your mission field on the sign as you leave. We're not all called to be missionaries. We're called to be witnesses. A missionary is one who crosses into different culture to share Jesus. They leave their home to try different foods for a long time. They leave their culture. They have to do language studies. They have to do a lot of stuff. That's a missionary. We're all called to be witnesses, but missionaries leave and they cross into something different. So the third part again is missions brings the Gospel to far lands and different cultures of this world. Different places, different culture. So let's get right into application here as we close. What, what does that mean for us? How, how can I, someone who's called to be here in Barron County, be a part of helping the persecuted church? What, what role do I have? Again, here's this line. What if, for our church, this is the greatest year of fruit of ministry of outreach that we will have as Maranatha. Amen? What about this part? The persecuted church. What can we do? To the ends of the earth. Number one, and always number one, get busy praying. Amen? Get busy praying. Pray for our missionaries. A friend of mine who I went to seminary with, Michael O., who is now the executive director and CEO of the Luzanne Movement, said in the last few years, the Lebanese and Syrian pastors say they've seen more Muslims come to faith in Christ in their whole lives. Let's get busy praying. Here's some notes from Breakpoint. Have you heard of Breakpoint? Sometimes it's on the radio. I think Christian radio around noontime, lunchtime. Breakpoint is great. Here's some stuff. They said Christianity is more alive and well and moving in an unprecedented rate. In Asia, by 2030, it's estimated that there will be more Christians in China than in the United States, though the current wave of persecution, it's, it's hard to track these numbers. It's impossible to track the numbers. We are seeing disciple-making movements through the Muslim world in the first time of history. The fastest-growing branch of the church in the world is not America, but Iran. As one Iranian Christian described the situation in a country like this. What if I told you Islam is dead? What if I told you the masks are empty inside Iran? What if I told you no one follows, inside, um, follows Islam inside Iran? Would you believe me? 
That's exactly what's happening inside Iran. God is moving powerfully inside of Iran. And there's plenty that Western Christians should learn from our brothers and sisters in the world. I wanted to include this here. We need to recover the kind of supernatural worldview that they have retained, that we have lost. Lacking other resources, they rely on God for their needs and guidance of Scripture for their practices. Their prayer lives put us to shame. They follow Jesus' model of making disciples rather than following the habits developed in the American traditions. They understand evangelism as making disciples and discipleship in terms of following Jesus and obeying Him. God is on the move. Amen? We must be praying. That's probably one of the greatest roles we of the church have. So I, do we have that map? I don't know. I'm trying to think of what we got up here. So here's the sheet. So I encourage you, if you got this sheet, we're going to be praying through the sheet. I've got three people. But is there a map? Here we go. So here's some of the people that we have. <clears throat> the Brogans, although they're not really, they haven't left their culture. They're still in England. They're speaking the language. But they're, they're, we'll hear more from them next week. So they're including this group. We got those in Bulgaria, those, you know, this whole area here, Brother Dave's part of this here, the northern part of Africa there. This, the, and that's part of the Somali population, that horn right there, where the O for Robertson's, that's Somali land there. We got Dwayne Deeds in Japan. Kyle and Lara were here two weeks ago. We want to pray for them. So much is happening. Who wants to be a part of that? I do. And the way you can do that from here is prayer. So here's what we're going to do right now. Honestly, if it, if it takes hours, great. Will the second service just join us in prayer? Right? Oh no, I got a time schedule. I got my food. I got. I want God to move. Amen. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray. Pastor Tony, you got your microphone. We got OTNO is gonna pray for victory in spiritual warfare for the persecuted church. Judy Gonski, where are you? I saw you right here. Judy's over here. Tony, she's gonna be praying that there will be success in the gospel witness. And it's happening in this world right now. And then John Peterson will be praying that God would use them to help make disciples. Again, going back to the Great Commission, Jesus didn't say make converts. He said go and make disciples. So church, let's take some time and pray. So join these three as we pray together as a church. Father, uh, thank you that your word tells us that someday people from every nation, every people group will be standing before your throne and acknowledge you as a great God. Thank you for the encouragement that we've heard this morning. Forgive us for not praying more for people who are being beheaded, people who are being persecuted simply because they refuse to deny their faith and trust in you. So, Father, we pray for those people that you have drawn to be missionaries. You've sent them to a culture that's not their own, and you've helped them to learn to share the gospel. Father, we ask that you would raise up disciples in each one of those countries. Thank you that you've, you've promised us that through your son 
we can know you, God. And it's true that you're the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus. No one comes to the Father but through you. Help that, that message to be clearly taught in, in every one of these countries that we've heard about, Asia, Asia itself, Northern Africa. Father, work, work a mighty work. I think of Rafshan and Lisa in Kazakhstan and Rashid in Uzbekistan. Raise up people that they can build and send. Thank you that you're doing a mighty work, I pray in Jesus' name. Father God, most of all, I thank you for all the encouragement that we're hearing here today, that you are indeed working throughout this world in persecuted churches, in nations where they're not hearing, they have not heard your word, and yet now that they are hearing their word. And we pray for success with these missionaries. Give them faithfulness and steadfastness as they continue to stare the Lord Jesus Christ with those around them. Thank you for the blessing that Kyle and Mara had to share with us of how even though they were kicked out of China and moved to Thailand, the Chinese are now coming to Thailand and they're having baptisms weekly in swimming pools. We just praise you, Lord, for the way that you are working in ways that, that we do not know. I pray specifically for the Brokens in Birmingham and their outreach to the Muslims. For the Hellerstedts in Cambodia, as they share through their teaching, for the Robertsons and Chad, for Dr. Pat and her ministry, among the persecuted church, for the well ministry within our own community, our Lord. Pray that we might be faithful in sharing your word and that you grant the success in presenting the gospel clearly to those who are hearing it. We just praise you and thank you for answering to prayer, Lord. Amen. Our Father and our God, we are truly thankful because you are a faithful God. Thank you, Father, for loving us even before we loved you. And Father, you gave yourself for our redemption. And Father, as we gather this morning and as other churches, around the world gather to worship you. Father, we, our hearts reach out to the persecuted church. These are our brothers and sisters that suffer. Lord, lots of us, many of us, if not all, slept in a warm bed, in a warm house, and had a good breakfast. But Father, we know that we have part of our body, other believers who are in chains, who are suffering. Father, help us not to forget to pray for them. Father, just want to pray and thank you for those believers that are suffering in Somali jails because of your word. 
because they've believed in you. Those with even young babies that have been imprisoned for months. Father, thank you for giving them courage and strength to continue lifting up your name and to stay firm. Father, I just want to thank you for those who have fled their countries because of persecution. Fathers, they go through difficult time living in a strange land. And Father, I pray that you would help us as a, those in a free world to be able to support them even materially. I think of the Somalis who have moved to Ethiopia to seek freedom and to seek peace. Father, I pray for them. Father, this morning I thank you for Madi that we've heard of his story and these seven people that he's been sharing the gospel with in Mauritania. Father, I pray that your word would continue spreading out and that your word would continue reaching this country of Mauritania. Father, I just want to pray also this morning that even this friend of Madi that is in France, that Lord, you would reach him. Father, you have done great things and you are reaching the Muslim world with your word. Father, I know several who have come to know you in France who are former Muslims. And Father, I know that this friend of mine is not too far for your grace. It's not beyond your grace. I pray that, Lord, you would touch him and bring him to yourself. Father, I just want to thank you so much for the work you're doing in the country of Iran and for the growth in the church there, and Father, I pray for protection. I pray that that church would, as they go through persecution, that they would reach out to their fellow Iranians and that more and more Iranians would come to know you. Thank you so much for the ministries that are going on there, and Father, we are just excited knowing that, Lord, you are touching lives and just bringing people out of Islam, out of the falseness and the evil of Islam and you bring them to truth. And Father, even for our little neighborhood here, we are thankful for the people that are hearing the gospel and the convictions that are, we can sense in their lives. And Father, I pray that you'd continue bringing the Abdis and the Abduls and the Mohammeds to faith in you. Father, we know you are able and you're capable of doing that. We are thankful this morning. And Lord, you know our hearts and we pray that you'd use us to reach out those around us, our neighbors, our co-workers, and people that we come into contact with. Help us today and this week to live lives that are worthy of our calling. In Jesus' name, amen. Father God, we echo the prayer, the request that the disciples have in Luke 11. Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, Teach us to pray. God, I ask that you would just give us such a burden to pray. Help us get rid of the things that don't really mean much in the waste of time that we have. We just waste so much time on social media and doing things that don't have eternal gain. Help us put our phones down. Just teach us to pray, Lord. If it begins with just two minutes, five minutes, to ten minutes, help us just begin simple. Simple prayers. 
Holy Spirit, work in our hearts. May our hearts just break what's happening this weekend in the Middle East with just so many Christians being killed. No longer will there be protection for women and children. Lord, we ultimately pray for perseverance for Christians. May they have that endurance. You're the perfecter, the finisher of their faith. Lord, in humility, keep them strong in the Word. Recall, help them recall different passages in the Psalms as they work through this. And those who will be martyrs, we pray. That their families would still keep with you. They would not give up the faith. And through this, Lord, you are moving. We're so wrapped up in little things here in America, we don't see the beauty of what you're doing in Africa, in Asia. Christianity has exploded in Africa. So Holy Spirit, continue to do your work. We pray for different leaders who are not Christians that they would come to know you, Jesus. We pray against the Taliban movement right now in the name of Jesus, and I pray that one of the leaders would come to know you, and it would shake, shake them. That people would come to worship you, Jesus. Forgive us, Lord, for not praying enough. Forgive us, Lord, for being foolish with our time. Lord, we don't know when you come back. I'm no prophet in that area. None of us are. But Lord, if these are the last days, you've called us to be a part of that. And we thank you. Help us be men, women, help us be children who pray and pray and pray more. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me just give you a few things here. Application, get busy praying. What if you're not called to be a missionary? Just a witness. From your home, I encourage you, get resources. Again, one of my favorite books, I should have grabbed it off my shelf, it's Operation World. It's a great book to have. Have your kids go through it. Look at what the Lord's doing in that area. There's, there's so much you can do. Voice of the Martyrs has such a great ministry, even for kids. You can get a little kid magazine mailed. Anybody get their kids mailed that? Anyone? No one. Okay. Our kids get it. Every couple months we get little things how you can pray for missionary kids and just there's so much going on in the Persecuted Church how to pray. Adopt a people group. Adopt a missionary. I encourage you as a family, pray about it. We're talking about all these missionaries we support. Adopt one of them and get in contact with them. It's no longer we have to put a stamp on a letter and mail. We can just connect email and find out how you can pray for them. Sponsor a child. Compassion International. Operation Christmas Child, which we had our Christmas in July. Encourage them. Financially support them. Pray and write letters to the persecuted church. There's a lot there. Let me, let me end with this. Use your skills. One, one of the great things that's happening in the world that right now is it's exploding in Asia. And uh, there's so much happening in Africa. 
But one of the problems they're having is called syncretism, where they're just adapting some of their kind of cultural background stuff, and they need the great strength of the Western world is our theology, but it's time that we get out and do something with our theology and teach and train. So that's that's a huge part. Um, At the end of our service, I'll show you a picture of me in in China with some of the underground pastors in a teaching trip that we did. They need discipleship. Pray about going on a short-term missions trip. In the next seven years, my encouragement is this. You as a family, take your two-week or one-week family vacation and go visit one of our missionaries. Do it. Open your eyes up. Open your kids' eyes up to what God is doing because we think this is the epicenter of what God is doing. God is moving in the world. Amen? Wouldn't it be cool to go see what's happening? We've already been talking with Kyle and Lara about what it can look like in the next year and a half if we send a team to Thailand. We can then go to Cambodia and visit the Hellerstats. Wouldn't that be great? And lastly, pray, pray, and pray some more. Amen? We're going to have the worship team come up. We're just going to do the two last songs there. This is encouraging, exciting. That you can have a part of what's happening overseas through prayer, through worship, through encouragement, through emails. Stand and join us as we sing our last few songs. Of can 
It's all that's true.